Now we should be, we should be in um, Hebrews chapter 7 today, but I have a confession to make. The goal was to have my sermon done before we left last Saturday. Didn't happen, so I thought, well, I'll find a way to get it done. By the middle of the week, I realized I was too distracted, and I don't have the, I don't, I'm, I'm not ready to preach from Hebrews chapter 7. But I'll tell you what I will preach on is from Psalm 72. And the reason for that is my entire week, as I got on the plane, I, I finished off a book on biblical theology, and, and he touched on Psalm 72, perked my interest. And as I crossed the country, I was drawn to that psalm all week and probably spent the time I should have been in Hebrews 7 on Psalm 72. So that's where we're going today, okay? Does anybody know Psalm 72, little Canadian trivia, why is this such a big deal for Canada? Any, anybody have an idea? What's that? Verse 8, what's in verse 8? Yeah. And why is that significant? Let me just, I won't put, I won't put, I won't put uh, Andrew on the spot anymore, but in New Brunswick, actually in St. Andrews where we had our convention, our conference, um, Sir Leonard Tilley, he was the, the uh, premier of New Brunswick when, when Canada entered Confederation in 1867. So Tilly was um, one of our fathers of Confederation. And they were trying to figure out what are they going to call this place, this country. Sir John A. Macdonald, our first prime minister, wanted to call it the Kingdom of Canada. But while Sir Leonard Tilly in St. Andrews was in the backyard of his cousin, he was having devotions on a Sunday morning, and he, and he, and he read through Psalm 72, and he read that phrase, and he was like, that's it! Dominion of Canada. That's what we need to call this place. And he, he pressed for it, encouraged for it, and that's what we became. That, we are the Dominion of Canada because of Leonard Tilly reading Psalm 72 and the dream from coast to coast, right? From sea to sea, from the St. Lawrence to the Arctic, and then also from the Atlantic to the Pacific. That was the dream at the time. Of course, they were only four little provinces that eventually that dream was fulfilled. And so that's kind of a history. We were there, and we, were, we kind of walked around in that area, and it was kind of cool. We were in Ottawa, and, and on, the, on the archway of the Peace Tower, there's, there's Scripture, and one of the Scriptures is that he may have dominion from sea to sea, etched right into our history as a country. So kind of with that parked in the back of your brain, let's read Psalm 72. Of Solomon, give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. 
May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He is the pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence He redeems their lives, and precious is their blood in His sight. Long may He live. May gold of Sheba be given to Him. May prayer be made for Him continually, and blessings invoked for Him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities. Like the grass of the field, may His name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's pray. Father, as the Psalms say elsewhere, I ask that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your book. Would you help us to long for your rule and your reign? Lord, would you give us life according to your words? Would you, would you instruct us? Would you teach us? Would you lead us? Would you enlarge our hearts towards you? even this morning. And so, Lord, I ask that you remove me out of the way and would you speak through me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, what I'd like to do, this is poetry and it's, you really shouldn't divide it. But, but in order to work through it, it helps to divide it. So we're going we're gonna to do that into five sections. But before we do that, I want to make a couple of observations to tuck in the back of our mind as we're walking through this. Notice right off the front, it says, of Solomon. Now some people think it's for Solomon or to Solomon. And then at the back end, at the very end of the chapter, it says, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Now, we know that there are other psalms by David as we go on. So what's going on here? I, I like what John Calvin said of this text. He says he, he felt that at the end of David's life, this is his prayer for King Solomon, his son. And so he's praying for his son who's about to become the king. Now, in the back of his mind, he's probably got the promises of God, particularly what God told him at the beginning of his of it, or partway through his uh, kingship, but that his, his throne would last forever. That's going on in the back of his brain. But, but I think it's a prayer for his son, Solomon. And yet, 
if you read it closely, you go, could it really be Solomon? Like, look at some of the things he's saying. May they fear you while the sun endures. The, the language there is, may they fear you forever. Did he expect Solomon to live forever? He's speaking of a, a kingdom that will have literally no, is global in nature. Solomon never saw a global kingdom. And so is this Solomon, or is it not? Secondly, I want you to notice some of the promises that are embedded in this text. So I think as David is writing or praying this, well, he eventually wrote it, but as he prays this prayer, then writes his prayer, maybe even sings it, I think he's thinking about some of the promises that he read in Moses' first book, the book of Genesis. The first promise is, take a peek, the end of verse 4. May he defend the cause of the poor, in the very last line, and crush the oppressor. And then we go a little further down, I think it's down in verse... Um, Verse 9, may desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. And you go, okay, well, he's, he's talking about a promise embedded in this prayer. What promise would he be thinking about? What did God say to, Je to Adam and Eve after they sinned? He said a lot of things, but what did he say to the serpent? He cursed the serpent, and he told the serpent this. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. When he says they lick the dust, it sounds like he's thinking of what God said to Adam and or said to the serpent, Adam and Eve, listening to this. Verse fifteen is the promise. It's a it's a first promise, a first blessing that God gives the people after the sin. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you, the devil, and the woman, Eve, and between your offspring and her offspring, her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And, and so the idea, not this, the exact same words, but the idea in, in as David's praying, I think he's thinking back to what God said to Adam and Eve. Now, when Eve had her firstborn, Cain, she thought God had fulfilled the promise. This is the offspring that will bring about the blessing that will end the curse. Because of the few words that she said, but what happens? Abel kills Cain, and she's probably crushed in spirit. God gives her another, and she again brings, refers to this offspring and, and thinking that this is the one. And Of course, Seth wasn't the one. In Psalm 72, there's another promise embedded. Notice in verse uh, 17. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. And in that, I'm thinking of the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where God says that all the nations shall be blessed through Abraham's seed not only genesis 12 but we find that in genesis chapter 22 and chapter 26 
And I think as David's praying for his son, he's also going back to the Old Testament and he's remembering these promises and he's going, God, you said this and, and you said this about Abraham, and, but, but, but Isaac, uh, he wasn't the one. He was the one because David's seed came through him, but he wasn't the one. And I think David, as he's praying for his son, as he's thinking about the, what God has been saying all along, And he's praying this entire time. He's praying with with a conviction. One author said, with the expectation of hope, with the faith. He's he's praying for a king and a kingdom based on the promises of God up until that point. Now hang with me. I think this text should thrill our soul and change the way we pray. Okay? Let's take a look at verses 1 through 4. I think David in that those four, four verses is praying for a king and a kingdom. And, and I think right off the front, he's praying for his son Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Do you remember Solomon? When he gets, becomes king, we're, we're told what happens he cries out to God, and he says, God, I, I, can't, I can't lead these people. They're too great for me. Would you give me your wisdom? We want a king that has God's justice and God's righteousness, don't we? Look at verse 2. Not only do we want God's justice and God's righteousness, but did you notice in verse 2 that he may judge God's people and God's poor. The language is your people, your poor. God so identifies with his people. Isn't it Jesus that says to Paul on the road to Damascus, he says to him, why are you persecuting me? He's not saying, why are you persecuting the church? He says, why are you persecuting me? And David's praying, and he recognizes, says, these are your people, and these are actually your poor. Would you give the king your wisdom, give your king your justice and your righteousness? And flowing out of this righteousness is, verse 3, prosperity, or the Hebrew word there is shalom, which means peace, often used, translated peace. Peace doesn't quite capture it all. Prosperity doesn't quite capture it all. It's this idea of being whole, being right, just being, ah, it's just good. But without righteousness and without justice, we don't have that, right? David's praying that this King Solomon would be such a one. Would he be one that in verse 4 defends the cause of the poor of the people? Brings deliverance to the children of the needy and, yes, crush the oppressor. Crush the very Satan who wants to destroy such things. David prays for a king and a kingdom. If you know the story of Solomon, it starts out really, really good, but 
he disappoints, doesn't he? He becomes like the other kings, and instead of giving, he takes. And he takes wife after wife after wife. And could, could this be about another king? Let's carry on. In verses 5 through 11, there's this, I, I, I think he's continuing to pray, but now I think he's longing. There's, a, there's, this, uh, there's this, this, this incredible desire for a certain type of kingdom. Look at verse 5. May they fear you while the sun endures. Now he's still talking about this king. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. And this is just poetic language. It says as long as the sun's in the sky. May the, may, may the people fear you. Is he talking about Solomon? I think David's ratcheting it up. I think he's, he's longing for something more than Solomon could make or give or lead. He says, may he be like the rain that falls on the mowing grass and showers the water and waters the earth. A place of blessing, a place of growth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. kingdom that's everlasting, a kingdom that's filled with blessing, a kingdom, in verse 7, the peace abounds. The same word, shalom, that is translated prosperity in, in verse 3. The extent of his kingdom, look at verse 8. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is bigger than Canada. This is bigger than Solomon's kingdom. What river is that? You might think, well, it's probably the Jordan. Possibly. Maybe the Euphrates. Probably. And maybe even greater than that, it's probably the river that flowed out of the Garden of Eden that is found in the book of Ezekiel that flows from the throne of God. I think that's what he's writing about. May desert tribes, uh, the tribes and outside of Judah, come and bow down before this king. May the kings of Tarshish, remember, Tarshish far, far, far away. We really don't know where it is, but it's a picture of something very distant. The kings of the Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba, present-day Yemen, come to you. And what do we have? The queen of Sheba comes to Solomon. And Seba from Africa bring gifts. And just in case we don't get the magnitude of the size of this dominion, this kingdom, may all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Now David's probably going, I want my boy to be that guy. But I think he's praying for more. Who? Who is this king? Who is this king? The wonderful book of Philippians. We read these words. Philippians chapter 2. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think David's prayer is, is far bigger than Solomon. He's longing for a kingdom that I don't think he can quite articulate. And yet, as he's moved by the Spirit of God, he is doing a great job. So he's praying for a king and a kingdom. He's longing for a kingdom. And, and then in verses uh, 12 through 14, notice, I think David is praying for a compassionate king. Maybe here there's some idea of longing as well. Look in verse 12. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence. He redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. This sounds like none other than the God of the Exodus who came and rescued the people of Israel. It doesn't sound like Solomon. We're told in 1 Kings chapter 12, the end of Solomon's life. Solomon's now dead. His son's on the throne. And the people come to Rehoboam, his son, and say, say to him, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore, now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you. Does that sound like a king that is compassionate, a king that delivers the needy, a king that has pity on the weak and the needy, a king that saves the lives of the needy. Or does this sound like such a king? Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When God made that promise to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, oh, they longed for the end of the, 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 the curse. But it wasn't Cain and it wasn't Seth. When God made that promise to Abraham, oh, he, I think he longed for the day when such a kingdom would, would arise, but it wasn't Isaac. When God made a promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that his kingdom, that his son would be on the throne forever, I think in faith he believed it, but it wasn't going to be Solomon. Who would it be? Then in verses 15 and 7 through 17, we have again a prayer for the king and the kingdom. Now Paul is, I mean, David is praying. And, and he's longing, I think, in here again. There's this, this, this heartbeat like, oh God, would you do this? Just pause for a minute. Like, have you read the news lately? I was going to say, have you watched the nightly news? But I don't think anybody does that anymore, do they? 
we read the news on our phone, but it's not very good, is it? The fires in California. I, I've got some friends, I was, this morning I was looking on a map, going, I wonder where they're at in relation to the fires. Looks like they're okay. But not everyone is. Again, the shooting down in, in California. They go, oh my goodness, can you imagine the heart of a parent or the heart of a, a sibling who, who knows that their loved one is, was in that room? And we're not immune to stuff, are we? This is a broken world. And David, as he prays, he says, Long may he live. Long may this king live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. Grain doesn't happen up there. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities. When I was in university, this was kind of, this was a long time ago. The curtain hadn't quite fallen, okay? So this is, I know. Somebody asked me if I was still around in 36. and I said, yeah, 32 actually. But back before the curtain fell in 89, one of my dear friends went to Romania. He had the privilege to get into the country and, and he visited with the church, some of the people in the church there. And his his goal was to encourage them. He came home and they encouraged him. But I remember how he was described life under communism. Gray. There was no color. Everybody drove the same thing. Everybody, everything was just, just, there was just, there was no blossoming of people. There was a hardness on people. This is describing something far different. May people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. I read the end of the good book, Revelation chapter 21. I read these words. Verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no, no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. David, either knowingly or unknowingly, 
was longing for that kingdom. And I think as David began his prayer for his son Solomon and as his prayer grew as he, as he wrestled with the Scriptures and the promises of Scripture, it, it, he, he was growing as an intensity and his desire for such a kingdom and he couldn't but help but close this psalm with nothing but praise. Look at verses 18 and 19. It's still a prayer, but now he's just praising God. And he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Not me, not you. He, God, does these things. Not Solomon. God does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Not one amen, but amen and amen. What did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 12. Speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers who rejected him. He says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Where did Solomon get that wisdom? God. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. As I've been pondering Psalm 72 with the on my iPad, I have the, the picture of may he have dominion from sea to sea. I have that picture from the from Ottawa plastered on the backdrop. And as, as I considered New Brunswick and where Tilly walked and, and, and his desire for this verse to be etched into the, the heartbeat of who we are, I think Psalm 72 teaches us how to pray. Now, I'm going to be kind of blunt but I'm speaking to myself. When I listen to you pray, and quite frankly, when you probably listen to me pray, I think our prayers are far too temporal, far too small, far too limited. Oh, we ought to pray for our premier and our prime minister and our leaders. We ought to pray for this country. I think we ought to, to strive to to see our, our country grow in righteousness, etc. We're called to do those things. But when we pray, do we pray as Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come? Is that the kingdom we're longing for? Or do we long for a kingdom where things are really good in Canada? Or do we really long for the kingdom? The kingdom of Christ to come. How do we pray? Church, community grace. If we're going to reach this city, well, I think we're going to have to have a passion that's bigger than a really good country. We've got to have a passion that's like, we can't wait till Jesus is on the throne and everything is the way it ought to be. 
the lion and the lamb together. Like, I can't even picture that. And when we pray, is it just simply, oh God, would your kingdom come? Or are we like David? Are we longing for it? I love the end of the book of Revelation. John. John the apostle, the beloved disciple. I think the others were martyred and they had it, they, they were the ones that got kind of got the, the good deal. John was the youngest, likely, when, when he was hanging out with Jesus. And he lived probably the oldest. Some believe he lived into his 90s. And at the end of the book, the book of Revelation, his words are this, Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I mean, he can't wait till his king is back. But how about us? Honestly. This, this, this week, we... we uh, We'll be at, uh, at the Foothills, Tom Baker, twice this week for, for scans. And you walk into that, into that place, and there are all kinds of individuals, not just with cancer, but all kinds of sickness. Do our hearts ache for someplace greater? Do we long and pray as David prayed? I was challenged this week by far too many people that, that the task that the Lord has given us, community grace, the task that the Lord has given us to plant a church in the heart of Calgary is not mission possible. It's mission impossible. It's beyond us. Because he's calling us to see people who are dead in their trespasses and sin come to life. And I can't do that, and you can't do that. And, and it's going to take the Word of God to penetrate those souls, but it's going to take us to be praying for a kingdom, God's kingdom to grow. How do we pray? We pray with great ache, yet great hope. I love this country. I, I just was thrilled to go across the country and go to the other side and see part of this country. I, I've always loved this country. And I love it more today than I did yesterday. I just, it just, this, is, this is a great country, a great land that we live in. But I'm looking forward to a greater kingdom. A dominion that will last forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you give us that hope. I thank you that this, this country is not all that there is. As good as we have it, Father. There's something greater. And Lord, we don't, we don't pray uh, kind of wishful thinking. We pray knowing that what you have promised will come to pass. 
And I long for the day that the lion and the lamb lay together. The child plays with the serpent, and no one is hurt. Father, would you help us to long for such a kingdom? Would you help us to cry out for such a kingdom? Would you help us so that that, 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 that kingdom and this Jesus is, is what we really continually, constantly talk about? In your name we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. Tom, come and lead us. We always close with around the table, just to pause and remember this Jesus who came first to deal with us so that we could be righteous by his work on the cross. And he's coming again so we can sit and have the feast with him. So we gather around the table and stop and remember what he's done, and we look ahead to what he will do. So if you're a follower of Christ, if you know Jesus, you are welcome to join us. Uh, We come in groups, so just tag along with somebody, and uh, let's enjoy our Lord.